This morning we considered Romans 8.29, For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. The whom that He foreknew was us. He has also predestinated us, but He has predestinated us to the ultimate destination of being like the Lord Jesus Christ. The image of a thing is its likeness. He has His own unique in the universe God-man nature. But we shall be like that. We will partake of the divine nature, and we do by regeneration. We shall be glorified with Him. But we wanted those middle words of that verse about being conformed more to the likeness of Jesus Christ. The doctrine is in Romans 8.29. The conviction is by the Spirit of God, and I hope a little in your hearts, to examine yourselves and to consider how much am I now like the Lord Jesus Christ. If I measure myself by God's written description of Him, how do I measure? If I compare myself to last year, or 10 years ago, or 20 years ago, or the first year of my fullest conversion, how do I compare? We should ask all those questions. And a man that doesn't ask those kind of questions is a fool by nature. Because we must be examining ourselves and giving how much diligence to the matter of making our calling and election sure. All diligence. Very important for us. More important than anything else you will do this week is to examine yourself to whether you be in the faith or whether you be reprobates. 2 Corinthians 13.5 The gospel ministry was given till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. That's what we want to be, is perfect men and women. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ. That is the highest and the most important goal that you should have for your children. But you should not have it for your children until you already have it for yourself. If you have it for yourself and you practice it every day, there is a high probability that your children will have it for themselves and practice it every day. If you do not, but you neglect making that your most important calling in life, then neither will your children make it the most important. The results are very easy to witness in any family, including mine. And we must trust God to forgive us for days, months, and years wasted by being AWOL from our predestinated purpose, and that's to be conformed to Jesus Christ. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow His steps. We're supposed to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 13, I have given you an example. That ye should do as I have done to you. That is describing washing the disciples' feet. And he meant our humility and service to others. Jesus, through Paul, would say in Philippians 2, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We want to have the mindset and the attitude of the Lord Jesus Christ. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. 
For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. These are just a few expressions in the Bible of telling us that Jesus is our pattern, Jesus is our example. But we already heard the doctrine from Romans 8.29 that we are to be conformed to the image or the likeness of God's Son, Jesus Christ. Because in heaven there will be God the Father, God His Son in whom He delights, and all of His brethren, and they're all going to be part of the family of God. We will be joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ, but He will be the firstborn brethren, and we are going to love and praise and honor our oldest brother for eternity and praise God for having saved us by His glorious grace. This is the future of the universe, and it's our future. Amen. Let me share a few passages of Scripture with you that tell us about the character and conduct of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, brethren, I have quite a list to choose from. And I could spend time teaching you about His diligence. If you need diligence tomorrow on the job or diligence in your schoolwork, I could show you His diligence because He said, I must work the works of Him that sent me while it is day, because the night cometh when no man can work. He was always time conscious to be a diligent man, but I'm not going to compare you in His diligence. I could tell you and show you from the Word of God that He commended others when they were righteous. And so you ought to be one given to quick praise and commendation for good things. I could show you in the Word of God that He he always gave public thanks for food before He broke it and ate it. And I hope that you will always do that and never presume upon the quail in your teeth without giving Him thanks lest he strike you with a fat belly and a lean heart, as he did Israel. I could show you that he was a very prudent man, meaning that he was very discreet and careful about the decisions he made in life, because the Bible says of him in Isaiah 52, Behold, speaking of Jesus Christ, my servant shall deal prudently. I could show you that when he was threatened, he threatened not, from First Peter chapter 2. I could show you that when he was reviled, that means to be called a name, he never called a name back in First Peter chapter 2. I could show you that he was full of zeal, because when he made a scourge and drove the money changers out of the temple, the apostles were given spiritual understanding of Psalm 69 that said, Behold, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. But I won't tell you that you need to be zealous to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. I could show you that he was always submissive to his father's will, that he was very loyal to his friends. When the mob gathered in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, I have told you that I am he. Let these go their way. What a glorious friend. I could show you that he was a loving and emotional man because the Bible in the shortest verse in the Gospels says Jesus wept. But I don't want to tell you those things, so I won't. But I have. Now let me tell you these. You want to really be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ? I have something a little bigger than going to work tomorrow and working hard. Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. 
you can basically train a monkey to be time conscious and to be diligent. But you can't teach a monkey what I'm about to lay on you. You can't teach anyone but a born-again, called, justified child of God these things that I'm about to lay on you. And brethren, let's rejoice that the Lord's told us some features, some traits, some aspects of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we can know what we're going to be like when we're in heaven and what we ought to be like on our way toward heaven. Hebrews 7.26 For such an high priest became us. This is the Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect high priest for us sinners. And here is a description of His character. Who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. And of course, He's been glorified higher than the heavens because He sits at God's right hand. But there's four little expressions here that we ought to quickly grab. Holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. I ask you, are you holy? Do you need to go listen to the sermon again about the blue fringe on the garments of Israel? Numbers 15. A man went out and picked up sticks on the Sabbath day. He could have picked them up on Friday. Instead, he picked them up on Saturday. Moses went to the Lord and said, what should we do? The Lord said, stone him. Then the Lord said, I want a blue fringe on all of your garments so that you can have a reminder, holiness unto the Lord. When the Lord sanctified the Sabbath day or Saturday, the seventh day, for Israel, He expected them to keep it. And He had a man stoned for the simple little Sin of violating God's Sabbath day. And he was stoned to death. Do you remember the preaching? Do you remember a few months ago that we ought to pass the time of our sojourning here in fear? And why should we pass the time of our sojourning here in fear in First Peter chapter 1? Because be ye holy as I am holy, saith the Lord God. God is holy, He is thrice holy, and the four beasts are singing and praising His holiness at this hour, and we must be holy. Holiness is an absence of sin. Holiness is a pure hatred of sin. Holiness is a clean, pure, unspotted life. Now, it's it's undefiled that's mentioned here as well, and they're very closely connected. We do not want to be defiled by any of this world's sins sticking to us. Inside, outside, television, finances, spousal, marriage, children, job, attitude, fantasies. All of it needs to be ripped out, cleaned up, washed and sanctified by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The confession of our sins and the conformity, conformity, conformity by bringing it into the shape, the allowed limitations of God's holiness. We must start with our hearts. Going to our thoughts, then our words, then our actions. He that loveth pureness of heart for the grace of his lips. Notice there's an order. Out of a man's heart and the abundance of a man's heart, he speaks. So the stuff that comes out of our mouths is an indication of the condition of our hearts. And it's a horrible measure. And I wish it wasn't true. In my flesh, speaking as a fool to you, 
But it is true. Are you holy? If you're not holy, you are not like the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you limit yourself to holy entertainment? Do you limit yourself to holy thoughts? Are all of your fantasies holy? Your fantasies of more being converted to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That you would grow in righteousness. Now that's a wonderful fantasy. Dwell on it all day. Meditate on it at night. Pray for it. Is everything you put before your eyes holy? David said, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. I'm not going to let it stick to me. But every day we're assaulted with all these options and opportunities and ways in which we can let wicked things come before our eyes. On the computer, on the internet, on billboards, in magazines, on the television, on movie screens. It's everywhere. Are you holy? I can't preach on holiness right now. Are you holy? If you're not holy, you're not predestinated. You say, well, I was holy once. And so based on that, I'm predestinated. Try that out sometime. The one time when you stand before a holy God, I'm going to tell you right now, you want to talk about bowels being loosed? Every part of your being is going to be loosed when you stand before Him. Do you know what Isaiah the prophet felt like? As soon as he saw the Lord in His glory in Isaiah chapter 6, give me the first word that he said that came out of his mouth. It starts with W, and it was said with an X. Woe is me! Woe is me! For I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. I've said it, and I've listened to it. Both are sins. Shut up the foolish mouth that jokes and jests around you. Shut up the filthy mouth. Shut up the tear-bailing mouth, tail-bearing mouth. Does not the word of God say that as the north wind driveth away rain, so an angry countenance driveth away a backbiting tongue? If you're holy, you will not participate in it actively or passively. Holy. Are you holy in all your thoughts about the opposite sex? Are you holy in your thoughts about your spouse? Men, are you holy? If you're not holy, on what grounds do you think you're predestinated? Because you come to this church and believe the doctrine of predestination without being conformed? Our Lord had more beautiful women around Him. Professional lovers by trade. And he never had an ungodly fantasy. Ever. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you as strong as Joseph? That if beautiful Potiphar's wife laid hold on you and said, lie with me, there's no man in the house. You would say, how can I sin such a great sin against God? Or would you be like my brother David and other men I know? He's harmless. He's so virtuous and full of kindness and full of righteousness that you're never in danger with Him. Do all of your children know that you're harmless? 
because you have such a character of goodness, mercy, long-suffering, gentleness, and virtue that they all can be very secure around you. Are you harmless? Are you undefiled? Have you defiled yourself? Have you thought? Have you said? Have you participated? Have you approved, even by silence, anything that has defiled you? Have you let any of it touch you? Then you're not undefiled. You're defiled. This is a description of our Lord. And you know, this is how we all ought to be. You know that He's given us a new man that's capable of being like this. But if we feed our old man the wrong inputs, does the old man get weaker or stronger when you're feeding him? Let's be really, he gets stronger. If you're feeding the old man, then what's happening to your new man and the power of the Spirit of God in you? He's getting weaker. So you're feeding the enemy and starving the friend and you're wanting to live a conformed life to Jesus Christ? What need we to do? Starve the old man by cutting off all the inputs to him and feed the new man The new man will grow in strength. It will be renewed day by day. And you will be changed into that image of the glory of Jesus Christ. And this old one will shrivel up. Not altogether. But you can keep it under. Or you're not going to be like him. He's made higher than the heavens. And everyone that is predestinated will be made right there beside him. Higher than the heavens. But you know what? If you're not holy... And if you're not harmless, and if you're not undefiled, and if you're not separate from sinners, there's no evidence you were ever predestinated. So don't presume on God's grace. To be separate from sinners, who do you count your friends? Saying, well, if I limited my friends to those people in the church, then I wouldn't have very many. How many, how, how many people do you think you can be a good friend to? How many do you think you need? Separate from sinners. I get emails often. Let the proverb commentaries and sermon outlines and other things are too hard and too harsh. And they love the statement, Jesus loves sinners. Why don't you? They've never read the Bible. They have their few sound bites that are thrown up on a screen while a praise band is blowing their brains out with 90 decibel music. They've never read the Bible. There was only one kind of sinner that Jesus befriended. A repenting sinner. That makes all the difference in the world. You show me a repentant sinner that wants to see the way to Christ, I'll be there. I hope I would do anything for that person. We're searching high and low with the Internet in the marketplace of Athens to try to find them. And when someone shows a love, they will get a response from me. A love for Christ. A hatred of sin. But it's separate from sinners. We don't mingle with them because the Bible says in Psalm 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, standeth in the way of sinners, or sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Psalm 1, 1 helps us interpret separate from sinners. Be not deceived, evil communications, corrupt good manners. If you want to be like the Lord Jesus Christ, then get rid of your friends that are not like the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ as defined and described in this book. Not another Jesus. There's lots of people, especially in this city, which may be part of the buckle of the Bible belt, that claim to love Jesus. 
that is not good enough. I will take anyone that you think loves Jesus and present them with the doctrine of Jesus and you will find out that they really don't love Jesus very much. Because they will fight and scream and kick and claw and run away and rebel and scorn Bible doctrine if we were to return to the pages of this book. Now I'm I'm stating something general as if it's a universal. There are exceptions. But the exceptions establish the general rule. Separate yourself from anyone that is not like the Lord Jesus Christ except for casual, infrequent, superficial relationships. The apostle would say in 1 Corinthians 5 that we can't go out of this world. The apostle would say in 1 Corinthians 10, if an unbeliever bids you to a feast and you're disposed to go, go. And ask nothing for conscience sake. What was that event that was happening down the street? Mr. Brown, that lived four houses down, had offered two oxen to Jupiter. He had more meat than he was going to be able to eat, and he had no refrigeration or freezers, so he's having a block party. If your family is hungry and you want some meat that's going to be free, then go on down the street and sit down with Mr. Brown and chow down on oxen corn-fed Midwest beef. And chow down on it. The Lord gave you permission, but then you go home. And if Mr. Brown happens to come along while you're sitting there with his plate and his silverware and eating his oxen, and he says, I thought you were a Christian. I offered this to Jupiter. You push the plate away and say, I've got bologna at home, and that's where I'm going. Have a good day. That's how the Lord works. But in our choices of who we who we choose to mingle with, he's separate from sinners. I look at a text like Hebrews 7.26, and I think to myself, that should be sufficient right there to let everybody know that this is not a little game. That just going to work tomorrow and working hard, putting 10% in your baby food jar that's labeled Lord, putting 10% in your baby food jar that's labeled Savings, avoiding debt, not kicking the dog as you come across the threshold, that you're a good Joe. Now the rest of the world can believe that. But this is our standard. This is a different standard, isn't it? You can be time conscious, can't you? And you can work hard and be zealous and financial prudent and follow a budget. But what about this? Are you holy in every part of your life? Holy. No, he didn't say holy in speech. He didn't say holy in thought. He just said holy because the Lord Jesus Christ was altogether entirely from top to bottom, inside and out, in character and conduct. Holy. Free from sin absolutely with perfectness and a perfect hatred for any defiling thing of this world or of sin. Luke chapter 6. Holy. Harmless. Does your wife have to pick her time that she can approach you? Now, I do believe in discretion. But if your wife really has to worry about when she can approach you, help me understand harmless. The woman that has wasted her life accompanying you through life, she has to wait for the right time in hope that you'll raise the golden scepter and allow her entrance to your palace? She's fearing 
those Persian security guards behind the drapes that are going to reach out and put a bag over her head and lead her out to have her head cut off? Harmless. Do you know how wonderful it would be to be in the presence of the mightiest prince whom the Bible says is harmless? Now, he's not harmless to the wicked. And that is not what the word intends there. You know, when you make an honest mistake with a harmless man, it's seen and viewed as an honest mistake. And we make them all the time with the sovereign of the universe. But I'm still here. And I'm still too healthy for him to be anything but harmless. Are you that way? I'm sorry that I can't leave Hebrews 7.26. Are you undefiled? I'm as defiled as anyone in this room. But I thank God through Jesus Christ for making me undefiled. Legally and practically. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that a wonderful, hopeful verse? I can be undefiled again. And I need to be undefiled again. And I need to be undefiled again. And does anyone agree with me they need to be undefiled again by confessing our sins and starting over? And separate from sinners. I want to be a lover of good men. The more you love the Lord Jesus Christ, the more I love you. It's an automatic instinctive nature of a child of God. And it's the way we all ought to be. We ought to gravitate and gravitate upward and gravitate toward those that love the Lord more. Because we want to be around them. We want to celebrate with their joy. We want their joy to infect us and affect us. And we want their boasting in the Lord to encourage our hearts. So they're the ones we want to be around. I need to move on. I needed to move on a long time ago, but I hope that you've listened to four words and that you'll walk out of here. And I'm going to be conformed to the Lord Jesus Christ because I'm going to be holy in thought, speech, and deed. I'm going to be harmless toward everyone that approaches me. To the poor, minimum wage paid employee at the fast food restaurant that takes more than two minutes to serve me, I'm going to be harmless. I know it's called fast food, and there isn't an F word in her life. It's slow, sluggard, and slothful. But I'm going to be harmless. Yes, I'm preaching to myself. Listen, you can't put fast food as a description of your restaurant unless you're going to get it to me in less than 60 seconds. And if I've got to interpret the English language, it makes me twice as mad. Okay, now what side of me is talking? The one I need to put off. How about giving a little tiny tip to that illegal alien that is giving you your fast food in five minutes? How about being harmless? Am I going to lose my life over it? Is the slow driving person in front of me who made me get caught at a yellow light or a red light? I'm speaking for your illustration. I'm working hard at all these things. I want to be holy, I want to be harmless, and I want to be undefiled. 
Do you know that there is stuff before our eyes all the time? And so much of it is of the world. It can be living people. It can be the Internet. It can be the television. I've said it already. I know when I repeat myself thus far in my life. And to be separate from sinners. Luke, let me tell you something else about the Lord Jesus Christ. He prayed before meals. But do you know that he prayed in addition to before meals? Luke chapter 6 and verse 12. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Let me give you some hope. You read a description like that, you measure it against your prayer life, and it hurts. Can you, will you, change from glory to glory in this matter to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ? Can you, will you, pray more today than yesterday? April than March. 2011 than 2010. Jesus was a man of prayer. Prayer is worship. Prayer is communication with God. Prayer is the means by which God reveals His will to us. Prayer is a two-way street with the Lord. He sends His Spirit. His angels come. Strength from heaven comes when we pray. Prayer changes things. Jesus was a man of prayer. Are you a man and a woman of prayer? How earnestly did He pray? The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Does it tell us in the Bible that he prayed so earnestly he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood? Is that a decent level of fervency? Do you do you wrestle with the Lord, pouring your soul out to Him? The Bible tells you to do that. When you're overwhelmed, to pour out your soul to Him. Reason with Him. Grab him by his legs and say, I will not let you go until you bless me. Turn to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, the third category I'd like to give you is how heavenly minded he was. While you're turning there, I want to read to you from Psalm 16 and verse 8. This is a prophecy of Jesus. This is Jesus Christ speaking. I have set the Lord always before me. How's that for heavenly minded? Women, when you get up in the morning, I have set the Lord always before me. The Lord made me a woman. The Lord made that sleeping, snoring, stinking hulk that is still in the bed my husband. I hope that you don't word it quite the way that your pastor does. I have set the Lord always before me. The Lord gave me that man as my husband, Lord. I will love my husband as I should love thee. You have put him in my life and I will love him as I should love thee. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Of course. 
as unto the Lord. So I'll be the kind of a wife today the Lord wants me to be. Always heavenly minded. Always, what would the Lord be looking for? And always through the day, thankful that you live in America. Thankful that you have a dishwasher even if there's two loads waiting. Thankful that you have a clothes washer even though there's three loads waiting. Thankful that you have a car even if the transmission is on the blink and so it's sitting in your driveway. Because you've set the Lord before you. I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, and I don't know how we can call transmission trouble or three loads of laundry or two loads of dishes to be suffering, but for the sake of your poor souls, let's think about it. I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. Lord, I'm going to be with you soon. I don't care how much I have to do today. I'm going to do it all cheerfully. I'm going to do it all diligently. I'm going to do it all thoroughly. Give me the strength to do it all. Because I'm going to spend eternity with you. I set the Lord always before me. Because He is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Now, this is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, get your positioning. God is on His throne. Jesus is at God's right hand. Now, when Jesus says, I have always set Him at my right hand, He has turned and positioned Himself so that God is the center of His attention. This is not positional in heaven. This is practical in His approach to life. This is Psalm 16, 8. I have set the Lord always before me. Because He is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Your husband shouldn't be able to move you. Your children shouldn't be able to move you. Because you have a husband in heaven and a Father in heaven, and a family in heaven that exceeds anything we'll ever have on earth. Jesus knew that. Because you're in Hebrews chapter 12, where this same thought is expressed in other words, as the apostle used Jesus as the greatest example of all, above that great cloud of witnesses from the Old Testament. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him, He could look to heaven and let heaven dictate how He responded to earthly events. Who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. If God has told us what heaven's going to be like, then it's going to happen. God promised the Lord Jesus Christ that He would be exalted at His right hand, and it has happened. But the Lord Jesus Christ always kept that future joy in mind as the motivating, driving, protecting, comforting aspect of His life when He had to literally take up a cross daily. When we literally take up a cross daily, it's to love our spouse. It's to love our children. It's to deny our flesh. It's to guard our thoughts. It's to put a check on our lips. But we do it because always we have a future perspective. The world does not want you to have a future perspective because they don't have one. The devil does not want you to have a future perspective because his future perspective is terrible. And he knows that if you ever got a future perspective, you could hold him at bay and stand in the evil day and having done all, you could stand. Because it's the hope of salvation. It's the helmet of the hope of salvation. It protects our minds from going crazy. 
and things are going to happen to drive you crazy. But not if your mind is on the heavenly promises of the Bible. And that's where the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ always was. Are you as forgiving as the Lord Jesus Christ was? A woman taken in adultery brought to the Lord Jesus Christ, John 8, 1 through 11. Let's be thankful it's in a King James Bible and not in most modern versions. And if it's in a modern version, please read the footnotes that say it shouldn't be in the modern version. Are you for, are you a person of forgiveness? After Jesus Christ knelt down, wrote in the dirt, and raised up and said, He that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. All of her accusers from the eldest to the youngest left her. Jesus said, Woman, where are these thine accusers? Who is accusing you? She said, No man, Lord. Jesus said, And neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Do you think she might have been a little scared? Let's assume she was taken in adultery like the text tells us. Would she have been scared? Were there bloodthirsty Jews that wanted to see her stoned? to get Jesus Christ in trouble with Rome? That they had taken capital punishment in their own hands? Was Were they just doing it to try Him? Was she scared? Did they all leave? And then there's one holy person there left with her. Do you think in His presence that the guilt would not have dissipated yet? And she said, Where are thine accusers? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn thee. He's on a white horse, and he's dripping with the blood of his enemies, and he's pure holiness. Neither do I condemn thee. On the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I wouldn't care if you knew what you were doing or not if you did to me what they did to Jesus Christ, and I was hanging on a cross naked, and you had just ripped me apart with various Roman tools of torture, and it hung me on a cross Forgive me speaking so plainly and telling you what a good friend I am. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He appeared to, he appeared to someone like me after his resurrection. And he said to someone like me, Lovest thou me more than these? And he said to someone like me, Lovest thou me more than these? And he said to someone like me, Lovest thou me more than these? Lord, thou knowest that I love thee, though my actions have not always proven it. Someone like me said to him, and he said, Follow me. It's okay. It's over. Follow me. Are you that forgiving with your family? Are you that forgiving with your spouse? Are you that forgiving with all others that offend you? Do you give place to the devil with your music? Say, what's devilish music? Anything that's not God glorifying? Let's just give you a simple rule so that you can operate by something. If you want to fuss about this and that type of music, then go ahead and fuss about it all you want. In heaven, I can tell you what kind of music's going to be playing, so you might as well get used to it here on earth. There's only going to be one kind of music in heaven. Yanni doesn't quite make the cut. You say, well, I love Yanni. You fairy. You say, well, if all I did was listen to Christian music, I'd be boring. No, if all you did was listen to Christian music, you'd be a Christian. 
If all you did was listen to Christian music, would you please spell the first six letters of that word, Christian? Could you, can, you, can you get them out? Is it C-H-R-I-S-T? If all you listen to is Christian music, you'd be more like Jesus Christ. Have you, do you give place to the devil? Jesus could say, the prince of this world come, cometh. Listen to these words. I'm sorry that I'm... The prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. John 14.30 The prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. There is not a single thing in my spirit. There is not a single thing in my lusts that he can mess with. There is not a single thing missing in my faith that he can attempt to overthrow. He cannot throw fiery darts at me and get anywhere with me. He hath nothing in me. There is nothing for him to work with. You have to give place to the devil. The Bible says if we resist the devil, he will flee. The devil will flee? The devil will flee from you and me, Frank? Have we ever given him place in our lives? He'll flee. Why? Because he's been defeated. And whenever we stand up on our two legs and stand, and having done all to stand in the whole armor of God, and we take the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're living like a Christian, He doesn't have anything to work with. He wants you to get angry. Then He's got something to work with. Go look at the context of Ephesians chapter 4 about give no place to the devil. It's anger. Because He's a murderer from the beginning. And when you're angry, you are on the verge of murder. What would Jesus say to the devil? His wonderful words that are taken out of modern Bible versions. Get thee behind me, Satan. Amen. That's what we ought to say. Whenever we have a thought, first of all, tell yourself, don't give the devil credit for something he didn't do. It's probably just you. Because we're all devilish enough. Get that thought out of my mind. Lord, have mercy upon me and forgive me. Give me a good thought to think. Sing a song. Read a psalm. Run out of the house. Go hug your wife. Anything to get rid of that. We want to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you want to obey God? With what zeal are you going to leave this assembly wanting to obey God? Jesus would say, my meat. My meat. The real sustaining part of my life, the sustenance that I live by, the overriding principle of my existence, my mission statement is, my meat is to do the will of Him that sent me and to finish His work. Some of you are closer to the finish line than others. But at our break that we recently had, moments ago had, my brother was talking to me about the Apostle Paul. That finish line was all that meant anything to Paul. In Philippians chapter 3, he said, forgetting those things which are behind. He says, I've been apprehended by the Lord Jesus Christ for something, and I have not yet apprehended that for which I was apprehended. I still have a little bit more of the course to follow. I still have a little bit farther to run. And I'm forgetting the things which are behind. Every accomplishment in my life, and he did not mean his Jewish pedigree. He meant his Christian accomplishments. Everything that I have attained thus far is not good enough, for I have not yet attained that for which I was apprehended. 
Therefore I press forward for the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Just like the, was Paul, like the Lord Jesus, Paul would say, be ye followers of me, as I am a follower of Jesus Christ. So I give you Paul, and I give you the Lord Jesus Christ, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. May this day and this week we apply ourselves with greater zeal, greater faith, greater resolve, and greater effort to be conformed to that image. And by the power of the Spirit of God, you can be changed into that same image from glory to glory by that same Spirit. May Jesus Christ be praised.